Hey, Mountain. It's good to see everybody. Glad you're with us. Hey, let's just give a big hello to everyone at all of our campuses at Mountain Road, Edgewood, Bel Air, and Abingdon. Just kind of everyone say hey and welcome to everybody else. So welcome. Kind of everybody saying hi. That's how it works. One church in four locations. Good to be together. Hey, I, I want to I illustrate something to start here today. And um, I thought, what better way to do that than I, I could tell you the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, but how much more, how much better would it be if, if I could involve you in the story, right? If I, if, let me just, I've already asked four people to help me out, so you know who you are. Come on up here, the four that are going to help me today, and then I need some help from you too. Um, everybody, first of all, as they're coming on up, take your space right here on the stage. I need an exercise activity. Someone shout out an exercise activity. Jumping jacks. Jumping Jacks. We'll go with Jumping Jacks. I need a name of a song. What? Reckless Love. Reckless Love it is, because that's what I heard. And something that's kind of gross to eat. Raw Bananas? Oh, Rotten Bananas. We'll go with Rotten Bananas. Let me say what kind of whatever. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's your cat. I need pop, Papa Bear, Mama Bear, Baby Bear, and Goldilocks. Goldilocks, you're off that way. Three bears right back here. Here's how it works. Help him out. You guys have some fun. Ham it up. Here we go. We're going to act it out. Here we go. Just, it's going to go very rapidly. Okay, Mama Bear's getting ready for something here. All right, here we go. <laughs> Once upon a time, there were three bears. There was Papa Bear, who was always flexing his muscles. And there was Mama Bear, who smiled a lot. And Baby Bear, who always sucked his thumb. All right. And they decided one day to go skipping happily through the forest. Yeah, there you go. And they skipped right off stage. Excellent. Okay, go on. All right. There you go. Back up. All right. <laughs> While they were out, Goldilocks also happened to be out for her daily jumping jacks. All the way over here. We've got to have you over here. There you go. There you go. There you go. Oh, she's still jumping jacking. There you go. Her daily jumping jacks. And as she was jumping jacks, she was also getting down to the song Reckless Love, which was playing on her headphones. Whatever. Okay, you got it. Here we go. Soon she came upon the three bears' house, and she went right in. And what did she see but three nice big bowls of, what was that again? Rotten bananas. Three nice big bowls of rotten bananas. So she grabbed a spoon and took a bite of Papa Bear's, but it was too hot. She took a bite of Mama Bear's rotten bananas, but it was too cold. She took a bite of Baby Bear's bananas that were rotten, and she gave a big fist pump because she thought this is just right. Yes, a big fist pump. There you go. She ate it all up, gave out a little burp, silent burp, and then she wandered into the bedroom and giving, I gave out a nice big yawn. Okay, and the bedroom's actually over here, hon. There you go. There we go. And that's, uh, she vigorously felt Papa Bear's big bed, and you knew it was too, she knew it was too hard. She vigorously felt Mama Bear's bed, and it was too soft. But then she felt Baby Bear's bed, and she dabbed. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> and she dumped right in it because it was just right. And being kind of carb-loaded from all the rotten bananas and the exercise during her jumping jack, she fell fast asleep. Just then, the three bears returned home holding hands. In fact, it was such a long walk that Baby Bear was on Papa Bear's back <laughs> from all of the walking. When Papa Bear saw his bowl of rotten bananas had been messed with, he looked very angry. And when Mama Bear saw hers being messed with, she just put her hands on her hips and looked very worried. 
And when Baby Bear saw it, he just gave a fist pump because he hated eating rotten bananas anyway. <laughs> All right. The three immediately went into the bedroom, and Papa Bear saw that someone messed with his bedspread, and he looked even angrier yet. You looked very angry. Yes. Mama Bear could tell someone had messed with her bed, and she just looked scared to death. And when Baby Bear saw that someone was in his bed, he pointed at the bed (laughs) and jumped up and down three times. And all that woke up Goldilocks with a start, who saw the three bears glaring menacingly at her. She jumped out of bed, did a quick ninja move to distract them, And ran off as fast as she could, as fast as her legs would carry her, never to return, and they all lived happily ever after. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of the three bears. Give them a big round of applause. The end. All right. Great job. Okay, great job, guys. Pretty well done. Uh, You have to admit that there is a big difference between hearing a story and being in the story, right? Right? Between being a spectator who kind of sits comfortably, watches the action unfold, and being called up out to be a part of the story. Yeah? Here's where all this silliness is about. God, God's alive and at work. He's doing stuff. He's moving in this world. And His design... And desire is that you would be part of the action of what he's doing and what he's up to. As if it's a play where you're actually drawn into it. Instead of being a spectator. Some of us in our life of faith, we're spectators. We're waiting and watching as if our life is like some dress rehearsal. And someday down the road, we'll get into the real thing. No, this is it. Don't miss your part. God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has unleashed love in the world. And that love has come. And here's how you start knowing what your part is. Let that love that has been unleashed into the world come to you, but then let it go through you. That's part of your part in the drama that God is acting out in this world. Don't miss it. Don't be a spectator. You're in the script. That's God's design. The Bible, the story of the whole scriptures, you can kind of summarize like this. God created the world, and then it went south. It got got all messed up. Sin entered the picture. And so God unleashed love in order to fix that problem. John 3.16 sums it up, right? God, this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. That's God unleashing love. Or Romans 5.8 says this. God showed His great what? love for us. How did he do it? By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God unleashed love into the world. That's how the story begins, by sending Jesus. And then Jesus continued that, didn't he? Jesus continued to unleash love in everything he did and said. Look at just the way he lived his life, whether he was loving you know, someone who was unlovely or healing a crippled person or a sick girl, or having compassion on the crowds, or just dealing with his slow, dense disciples, Jesus unleashed love. And it was looking like the story was going to continue like that until all of a sudden it came to an abrupt, unexpected stop when Jesus died. Like like a line of dominoes that's just clicking along, click, 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 and all of a sudden it just stops. And if that were the end of the story... 
that'd be a really sad story. If Jesus stayed dead, you see, then, you know, you've got, you've got there is no story, let alone you're, you're not in it. No, no. The story just ends, and it's a tragedy. Now, here, here's, here's what we believe, that that's not the end of the story. Anybody want some good news today? That's not the end of the story at all. In fact, the Gospel of Luke, which tells the whole story of Jesus, says that some women went to the tomb where Jesus was buried to pay their respects to good old dead and gone Jesus. And when they got there, the stone was rolled away. They went in there and they looked around. His body wasn't there. And God sent a messenger to say, what are you looking for the living among the dead for? If you're looking for Jesus, you're not going to find him in a cemetery because he's on the loose. He's out in the world. He's alive again. See? That's how the story takes this amazing change, this amazing turn, the resurrection of Jesus. And then Luke goes on to say at the very end of his story about Jesus' life is that Jesus came back and he was hanging out with some of these friends, like hundreds of them, and they saw him. And, and then you move to this end of the book of Acts and he kind of leaves us hanging. Like Jesus then is there with everybody and then he ascends back to be with the Father. And he kind of leaves you hanging. Like, well, what happens to the story? What happens next? And so Luke does what a lot of good storytellers do. He writes the sequel. Did you know that there's a sequel to the book of Luke in the Bible? If you read the book of Luke, it's the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all kind of like the story of Jesus from different camera angles. And Luke ends it that way. But then everyone's leaning in like, what happens next? And that's why he wrote the book of Acts. Did you know Luke wrote the book of Acts? And it picks up exactly where the book of Luke ends. It's the sequel. It's part two. Part one is Luke, all the cool stuff Jesus did. And Acts is the book that says all the stuff Jesus continues to do. Take a look over at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says this, in my first book, what's he referring to? The book of Luke. This is how Acts begins. He's saying, in my first book, and when I wrote the other one you call Luke, I told you, Theophilus, that's the guy he's writing to, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day that after he died and rose again, he was taken up into heaven. He ascended after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And during that 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles. He hung out with them from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Folks, there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus is actually alive. And that's what actually is trying to say to us. This Jesus that did all this amazing stuff, oh, he's not gone. And the story's far from over. He's actually alive. And so the book of Acts is about what Jesus is now continuing to do and to teach. He's not a fading, distant memory. He's a living, powerful reality in the present. He's some real person, someone you can know and love and, and obey. How do you feel about that? That Jesus is alive, that he's a real person, that he's not a historical figure, but He's loose in the world and he comes into your face in space as a person that you have to deal with one way or another. And he's calling you to know him and to love him and obey him because there's more to the story. Luke wants us to know that. Here's how you can start to start figuring out your story. You just start asking, as God unleashed love through Jesus, and now Jesus is unleashing love to me, and I'm, it's not just coming to me, but it's supposed to flow through me. How am I supposed to unleash love? How is God calling you to unleash love? 
That's your part of the story. Put your finger on it. How's God calling you to do that? That's how you find your part in the plan. And we're going to cover a lot of text today. Is that okay if we cover a lot of Bible today? We're just going to cover a lot of text. So you get out your Bible or if you've got it on your phone or an app or a iPad or whatever, or we'll put it on the screen as well here if you don't have any of those things. And we're just going to look at Acts chapter 1 and 2 and try to get a feel for where it leads us today. So we find our own part in the story, right? So Luke goes next as he says uh, in Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Here's what he says. This is after the death and resurrection. He says, once when Jesus was eating with them, his disciples, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, he's referring back to some stuff he said. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't, don't go anywhere. God's going to send the Spirit just like he said he would. And the, and the Holy Spirit is just Jesus' own Spirit. Hold on. And they got a little confused about all that, what it meant and all that. But then Jesus says, here it is. In verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says this. You will receive what? Power. When what? The Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me where? Everywhere. Right here in Jerusalem where you are, throughout Judea, Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. Here, you're going to unleash love. You're going to get power when I send my Spirit. It's going to come on you and you're going to be able to be my witness. You're going to go everywhere unleashing love here, there, and everywhere. And then Jesus ascended again and said, okay, hang on. Remember, the Spirit's coming. And that leads us to chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, they were doing exactly what Jesus said. All the believers were meeting together there in one place. Um, The day of Pentecost, what's that? So for a first century Jew, Pentecost was a big deal. It was a big celebration, an agricultural festival. They all came together in Jerusalem for it. And it was held on the 50th day after Passover. Pente means five, or so Pentecost is 50th. And it was held the 50th day after Passover. What's Passover? Passover was the largest of the Jewish holidays, the most important one, where they celebrated this beautiful time where they remembered how God had rescued them out of slavery in Egypt. Remember that? And how when the death angel came, it passed over them by God's grace. So they call it Passover. And they escaped from the armies and they passed through the waters of the Red Sea. Remember that? And they found rescue from slavery. Fifty days after Passover, they're out in the wilderness by Mount Sinai, and that's when Moses goes up the mountain and meets with God, and God gives him those beautiful ten good words, we call it the Ten Commandments, to bring back down to share with God's people about how they are supposed to play their part in the story, how they're supposed to live according to God's purposes. So here we are in the book of Acts now, celebrating all of that, reliving that history, but on this Pentecost celebration. It's about 50 days, not just after Passover, it's about 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection when he had become their Passover lamb. And so now Jesus is saying, it's not Moses, but Jesus who is ascending to go up not on a mountain, but right to the presence of the Lord. And he's going to send back down, not stone tablets to tell them how to live, but the word of God that will be written on their hearts by his spirit. It's a beautiful reenactment of everything that's going on here. He's about ready to send them out to be unleashed just like he was. 
It starts out in kind of a crazy way. Look at verse 2 of Acts chapter 2. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone there was filled with the Holy Spirit, everyone, and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So these symbols of wind and fire and it coming from heaven are reminders that God's doing this, that something's going on here and this Holy Spirit is coming on each one of them. And they're speaking in other languages, a little foreshadowing of how this little movement in Jerusalem is going to spread to the ends of the earth. Every language is going to be involved as Jesus promised. And then Acts 2, 5 and 6 says that at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living right there in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise... And they saw everything going on. They came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by other believers. They're shocked. They're like blown away. Like what in the world is going on? This is so strange. It just leads me to think as I look at their reaction to what God was doing, it makes me want to ask this question. Like what? I wonder what the Spirit of God has done in our midst that's so so interesting that it grabs the attention of other people. You know? I don't know that any of us are called to sort of, you know, conjure up some wind and fire on our heads and speak other languages. But I wonder if there's any evidence in your life, for example, that the Spirit of God's at work. Like people would find the way you act like, well, that's different. It would maybe even bewilder them a little, the way you listen or love or live. It's worth asking. Because when the Spirit's in our lives, there's evidence. It's not always the same evidence, but it's evident. So some watched all this kind of strange, bizarre stuff going on, and they were watching. They, they, they actually say, they say, well, it looks like these guys are drunk or high or something. And Paul, Peter stands up and he says, no, it's too early in the morning for that. They're not drunk. Let me tell you what's going on. And he says in verses 16 and following, he quotes a prophet that they had all heard a hundred times from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. So this has been going on for a couple hundred years. He quotes a couple verses, 16. He says, no, 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 no. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And he quotes it. Here's the quote. Remember when, when he said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he goes on to describe all that. And he ends it by saying, but and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so he's saying, that's what's going on now. When, when Joel had told us, when, the, when God had said through his prophets, I'm going I'm to start healing this planet. I'm going to start doing a new thing. I'm going to create a new creation. I'm going to do it through my own people. And I'm going to do it by sending my spirit, not just on a hero here or a hero there, but on all people. Peter says, it's happening right now. God is unleashing love, not just through, through me, but through all of us. And the story takes a dramatic turn. And he points them right to Jesus. He reminds them how God sent Jesus, but you killed him, he said. But verse 24, he says this, But God released Jesus from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for even death could not keep him in its grip. See the story? When the story looks like it's over, it ain't over. That's one of the things that we're seeing here. When the story looks like it's over, when your story looks like it's over, It ain't over. Not if God's in the story. Not if you're in God's story. No. No, no, no. Verse 32. God raised Jesus from the dead, Peter says. 
And we all are witnesses. We, we saw it. We, we hung out with him. And now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, did what he said. He gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us. And that's what you're seeing going on right now. The Spirit is here, and it has come, and it has moved. Verse 36, so Peter says, Let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah, not just of the nation of Israel, but of all of us, everybody. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him, to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? You can't hear about how God is writing this story with Jesus and not be convicted about You've got to do something to be part of this story. And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you, you guys, you can receive the gift of the Spirit just like, the, just like you've seen we have. And this promise is to you and your children and those far away and all who've been called by the Lord our God. And Peter continued preaching for a long time, which is why I like that, bro. Strongly urging all his listeners... Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said and acted on it, stepped out of the crowd into the story, those, they were baptized and they added to the church that day about 3,000 in all, instant megachurch. Friends, this is exciting stuff and that's the same message today. Peter stands up and he says, don't go along with the story that this world is going to write for you. Turn away from that. Turn to God. Get rescued. And you don't got to go through the Red Sea to do it. You just got to pass through the waters of baptism. Just say yes to Jesus. That's all you got to do. And the same spirit you've seen in us will come to you. And friend, that promise is good for you today here at Mountain. And you and your kids and your kids' kids and everyone afar off, anyone who will call in the name of Jesus. Just turn away from the other stupid script that you're trying to write or the world's trying to give you or you get dragged down. Just turn away from that and say, I want to be in God's story, God's way. I want to be part of this unleashing love that he's doing in the planet. And you're in that story. Friend, I wonder as you think about this new thing God is doing through Jesus. Part of the message Peter gives is when your life's a mess, you can turn away from it and turn toward God's way and get rescued. That's the main message he gives him. Get rescued. Where do you need God to rescue you right now? I know some of us are too proud. It's like, well, I can't think of anything. But there's something. Where do you need God to rescue you? What part of your life do you need the power of Jesus to help make new? Because he's, he's making all things new, right? He's starting a new creation through a new people. And I just want to encourage you right now to bring to God anything. Anything from which you need to be rescued. Maybe it's a physical threat. Or maybe it's a spiritual sickness or disease you've kind of got going. You're flat or you're tired on the inside and not connected with God at all. Or maybe you need to bring you to him that kind of persistent nagging sin that just kind of keeps telling you it, like it's going to define you and mark you and hold on to you like a stronghold. Or bring to him your attitudes that you know are coming from kind of a dark and ugly place rather than from the spirit of light and life that Jesus is. Bring to him a relationship that might seem beyond repair or anything that seems seemingly impossible. 
Bring it to him and praise him in advance for however he might work in it and change your story. Let him unleash some love to you and then let it flow through you. That's your part in the story. Acts 1.8, you will receive power, friends, you have. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, receive Christ, it's in you. And you can be his witnesses, telling people about him here, there, and everywhere. Now, I want to say some things um, about unleashed love. We use that phrase a lot around here. If you've been around Mountain for a couple of years, you know by now that we use unleashed love. to. Re- it's kind of a noun and kind of a verb, <laughs> Okay. It's kind of a noun in the sense that it's a thing. It's an entity. Uh, Unleashed Love is this initiative that we set out upon a couple of years ago as a church family. It was a kind of rallying cry to get a united effort around all of Mountain to unleash love, to unleash more power, more prayer, more generosity around some specific things that we really felt God was calling us to do together. And so we prayed hard, we gave, we made financial commitments, and we went after these things. And it helped us primarily to launch a new campus in Abingdon. And that was part of Unleashed Love. And that's the noun, this initiative, this campaign, and it's been awesome. But i got to remind us, I just want to make sure everyone gets it. Unleashed Love is also a verb at Mountain, okay? Because whenever, uh, whatever we mean by that noun part of that entity, a verb is an action, and it's something you do, and it's who we are. And long after the noun part is complete, as it will be at the end of the year, we're going to keep unleashing love because it's who we are. It's what we do. Does that make sense when I talk about noun and verb? And I hope that you'll be able to just find your way to sort of participate in both of those. The initiative and the call of God in your life to unleash love. Now, we want to celebrate some stuff today. Uh, we love to celebrate around mountain, especially uh, when we have great things to celebrate that God has done. And so... One way I can do that is just celebrate, uh, tell you a couple things about what God's been doing here, there, and everywhere. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to just take a couple minutes out of each message to celebrate some things that God has done through Unleashed Love. And it's just important that we do that, give all the glory to God. Let's start this week by just saying, here's a couple things that's going on right here. Pretty cool stuff. So folks, this is celebration time. I'm going to give you a bunch of good news and you can be happy about it. That's a little tip, okay? All right, here we go. So one thing that we prayed for was that God would bring more people. Uh, that we could help uh, introduce to Jesus and, and lead on a, on a journey to Christ. And I'm happy to report to you that our year-to-date average attendance at Mountain right now with all of our campuses is 6,047 people. That's up like over 20% over last year. So God is sending people, and we're doing our best to get them connected to Jesus. In fact, Outreach Magazine uh, just named Mountain number 18 on the top 100 fastest-growing churches in America right now. It's like, okay, well, that's fantastic. It shows... Sign of fruit and, and growth, but we didn't need a magazine to tell us what God's put us here to do. So thank you anyway. All right. We know that just as important um, as reaching people is we want to p- help people get on a journey of growth, right, to, to maturing in Christ. And we know a great thing is to get them to Welcome to Mountain class. And so a bunch of you have come to Welcome to Mountain this year. So far this year, 1,203 people uh, have participated in a Welcome to Mountain class. That's like over 50% up over last year. That's awesome. And along with that, get this, 509 people have taken the step to make a commitment to Christ through Christian baptism. 509. Awesome. You've been hearing a lot over recent weeks about these rooted groups, these, this 13-week experience where you get together with other people to grow closer to God and one another. Amazing stories coming out of that. We're about halfway through, and right now there are 623 people in 55 different groups going through that experience. So that's cool. And also, we want people serving, right? We want to just say, you can't really 
unleash love without serving. And so more people are serving at Mountain than ever in our history, and we're excited about that. One example is um, disaster relief trips. 218 different people have gone on a trip this year to, you know, Puerto Rico or the Carolinas or Florida or, or Texas or someplace just to help with, um, with disaster relief, and there's a lot more opportunity for that. So that's some stuff we can thank God for and just say, yay, God, you know, that's... That's awesome. There's so many more stories. It's the stories that I love the most. And we could tell about what's happening, not just here, but there and everywhere. And we'll get to that in a couple weeks. But I want to give you one concrete way, very specific way, that you can unleash love in a powerful way um, as this noun, unleash love, culminates um, in the next few months. First uh, John 3, 16. We are, some of us, familiar. I already used John 3.16. This is 1 John 3.16. It says this. This is how we know what love is. You want to know what love is? It says, look at Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us. It says, and we, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How do we do that? Verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, you don't do anything about it, How can the love of God be in that person? So here's what he's saying. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And the actions he illustrates in this passage is generosity because it's a concrete way you can demonstrate something of the sacrificial love of Jesus in our lives. If you want to love like Jesus, give in a sacrificial way. So that's how we did it two years ago, Mountain. This family here was amazing. And as we started this journey, we showed up with generosity. And in the month of December 2016, Mountain people were so energized by what we felt like God had called us to to do that Mountain people gave $1.7 million in the month of December to Unleash Love. And we started with a bang. And it helped us get Abingdon started. And we also started an online service. Remember that? And we were able to... um, do some stuff for kids, and we sent Gerbers to Africa for two years. Lots of really cool things. And, and what we want to do is we want to end just as strongly as we started because there are some things that we would intended to do that we haven't been able to get to yet that we think God's still calling us to do, and we want to finish how we started. So we're going to have a kind of end of the year, Unleash Love Christmas offering the whole month of December. And I just want to encourage everyone to be as focused and prayerful and generous as you can be because we want to just knock out some of this stuff that we're praying God will unleash love through. Let me tell you three big ones that a a really awesome end of the year December offering would do. One, Abingdon, when we launched that campus, it has this really cool, very welcoming kids space. It just shouts, we love kids. And it's designed, and our intention was to get it at all the other three campuses other than Abingdon. And we just, we didn't have the money, so we haven't yet, but we need to get that done. It's a super cool way to welcome every family that walks through our doors. And so that's one thing. Finish the kids' space in all of our campuses. The second, we started our online service, and now hundreds are coming, and it's time to improve it so we can engage with them more closely, expand it to reach thousands more, and help them take steps of discipleship. And so it's going to take some funds to do that, to improve and enhance our online worship experience. And then third, Two years ago, we sent our own Pat and Katie Gerber and their daughter Hannah over to Africa to serve with Missions of Hope. They're doing amazing work with kids there, ministering to 18,000 kids in the slums of Nairobi. 
And um, their two years is up, and we need to send them back for two more years. They're ready to go. And if we can reach that goal of 1.7 and have an amazing December to remember, um, I tell you, we'll be able to do those three things and hopefully some more. So I just hope you'll pray about that. And whatever best gift you can do, that could be one way that you're part of God's story to fulfill your commitments to make the best gift you can in December so we can unleash some love. Now, beyond that, don't lose sight of the verb. Not just the noun part, but the verb. How's God calling you to unleash love? In whatever countless ways might he just put in front of you through the living Jesus every day. I'm encouraged when I see stories from other people who tell me what they're doing to stretch and to try things that God is leading them to. And I hope you are encouraged too. I want to I invite you to hear the story of Jay and Donna Young right now. Go ahead and watch the screen. We started coming to Mountain on Easter Sunday of 2015. We immediately went to Welcome to Mountain and we became involved right away and joined the church. We just loved it. We just loved it immediately. It was just, we knew this is exactly where we needed to be. I started going to some of the men's groups and and Donna has gotten involved with uh, some of the women's groups. We were under some terrible financial strain when we came to Mountain. We were actually in a place where we thought we were going to have to sell our home because of the bankruptcy. When we started putting God first, it gave us opportunities in our path that when people had a need, we say, I think we can help them. We had the funds available to give to someone whose family was struggling. They needed some food or a family who was struggling to meet their bills. And we understood what that was like. And so we were able to lend a hand when before we weren't giving God his first place. We didn't have that money available. It was all about me, 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 and, and nothing about the Lord. If we hadn't started Unleash Love, we probably wouldn't have realized our potential because it wouldn't have allowed us to stretch ourselves. We had a desire to lead a small group. We would go home and talk about it and say, yeah, it would be so nice if we could be able to open our home to have a small group and bring people in and use it for God's people. So I said to my husband, let's, let's sell things that we have that mean nothing to us and let's raise the money that we need to do to repair this house. Through that that saving, we were able to start a, a renovation project of our home. Yeah, we just finished, and we're moving everything back, and we just started having, we're working with the singles ministry now, and that's something we never expected. We thought when the Lord was going to maybe give us a small group that it would just be maybe a group just like ourselves. And then all of a sudden the door opened and it was for singles. And we were like, wow, Lord, this is who you're bringing us. But it's just so exciting to have them finally be able to come to our home and to be able to enjoy using our home for God's glory finally. So it's exciting. If we hadn't have given to Unleash Love, we might not have said, well, gee, I think that I could get involved in You know, whatever it is that we're involved in, my daughter in in special needs ministry, my husband working with the high school group and then saying, well, gee, I think I could maybe work with the college age too. Each of us before that might have said, I can't do that. But now just say to yourself, well, maybe I can. I love her words there. I don't know. 
Maybe I can. Maybe I'm part of the story in a way I wouldn't have imagined. You are too. Fulfill your destiny, if you will. Step into the drama and play your part. Stretch yourself. Let yourself be stretched. However God's calling you to unleash love. It's interesting. The last word in Luke's book of Acts, the last word in the Greek text is akolutos. Akolutos. It simply means unhindered. Unhindered. Isn't that interesting? After this whole story of how the word of Jesus has been unleashed and it met with opposition after opposition after opposition, but just kept rolling, just kept going. It ends with this word unhindered. To say, I, I think in your English text, it, it, they might have moved the word order around a little bit to make it read better. But I think Luke wanted that word unhindered to be the last word ringing in our ears, you know? After this great story he's just told us. Acts 28, 30-31, Paul dwelt two whole years in his rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. There it is. Unhindered. In other words, friends, this story isn't over. It's just beginning. Nothing can stop it now. We're talking about a room full of scared disciples who were wondering what was going to happen next. And and now Jesus appears and he gives them his spirit. And now they're bold and they're unleashed and they're unfettered. and, And prisons can't stop them and governments can't stop them. And angry crowds can't stop them. And physical threat can't stop them. And other religions can't stop them. You even kill these guys and it doesn't stop them. And it grows from the 12 to the 70 to to, to 3,000 to thousands more all right there in the book of Acts. And it comes to the end and it says it's going to go on unhindered and now it's your turn. Don't Don't let anything hinder you from living out the part you're called to play in this work that God is doing, this story. Because now the love of Christ has not just come to you. He's asking it to go through you. How are you going to unleash love? Jesus says, if you do that, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. That's strong stuff. The power that comes. The same Holy Spirit that was there on the day of Pentecost is in you and me and in us. And that power can change an addiction and turn an angry heart happy. It can make someone who's not got any peace have peace. It can heal a broken marriage. It's the same power that can give an aimless person vision and purpose and penetrate the darkest part of the planet and your heart and mine. It's the good news of Jesus. This story of Acts is far from over, friends. And I pray that you'll find your part. Be part of the action. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the word of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the example of Jesus, and the way you unleashed love. And now I pray that every person here will receive that love into their heart. Let it come to us. Change us. And then let it flow through us as we unleash love to others. Help us to find our part, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.